Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Today on The Charlie Kirk Show, I answer your questions that you guys emailed me, freedom at charliekirk.com, freedom at charliekirk.com. We go over a lot of different things, George Washington, Donald Trump, and I dispel all the lies of Black Lives Matter, one-stop shoppings for you guys to get the truth against the Centers for Forces of the American Left. Get involved with Turning Point USA. Go right now to tpusa.com, tpusa.com. Type in Charlie Kirk, show your podcast provider. Hit subscribe. Leave us a five-star review. You guys are going to love this episode. Buckle up, everybody. Here we go. Charlie, what you've done is incredible here. Maybe Charlie Kirk is on the college campus. I want you to know we are lucky to have Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk's running the White House, folks. I want to thank Charlie. He's an incredible guy. His spirit, his love of this country. He's done an amazing job building one of the most powerful youth organizations ever created, Turning Point USA. We will not embrace the ideas that have destroyed countries, destroyed lives, and we are going to fight for freedom on campuses across the country. That's why we are here. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this Ask Me Anything. It's when I take your questions. We do this every Monday. And you guys have emailed me thousands of questions at freedom at charliekirk.com, freedom at charliekirk.com. When your question gets selected, just email us and say, hey, that was my question. And you guys win a signed copy of the MAGA Doctrine New York Times bestseller. So let's get right into it. Trey from Columbus, Ohio says, do you think George Washington would be proud of President Trump's leadership and his accomplishments? God bless you, Charlie. Love the podcast. I'm a big fan of George Washington. It's incredible how little we talk about George Washington. They are tearing down statues of George Washington in Portland, Oregon, with no plans of putting them back up. George Washington actually had a lot of similarities to Donald Trump. The George Washington, Donald Trump both had some forms of independent wealth. But what I find to be interesting about the George Washington and Donald Trump in that comparison is that George Washington was the first American patriot. He put everything on, on the line to create the United States of America. He was the hero of the Revolutionary War. And, you know, Donald Trump, in his own different way and separate way, put a lot on the line to become president of the United States. So the question is, do you think George Washington would be proud of President Trump's leadership? I think absolutely. I think George Washington would be so proud of a president who's trying to restore the idea of America that was lost post George Washington, and especially lost in the last 20 or 30 years in America, especially lost because of the ruling class, the cartel of Washington, D.C., that has done so much damage to the middle class of America. Now, understand, George Washington served two terms. He set that precedent for two terms. And in a lot of ways, George Washington didn't want to become president. In a lot of ways, he was almost encouraged to become president. He was forced into becoming president. And forced is probably too, too uh, aggressive of a term, but he was nudged into it. And without George Washington to become president, it's very, it's very easy to say, or it's very logical to be able to uh, conclude that we might have had five or six or 10 different countries in America. Actually, unifying all these states together uh, was not at all a guarantee. And, and understand, he begrudgingly accepted the mantle to become president after basically all the other signers of the Declaration and the founders and the architects of the Constitution were like, look, we need a leader. We need a creation of the president. And we need a, some, we need a person to fill this office of the president. Now, understand, the, the pre- office of the president, constitutionally speaking, is a uniquely American idea, this idea of an executive that has certain powers, but not ultimate or authoritarian powers that has a check and balance against him. It was was so ahead of the times. It was something that the United States and our founders saw saw the need for in a lot of ways that you need some power, just can't be a figurehead. 
It can't just be like a parliamentary system where it's just a individual who reports directly to Congress, but it still needs to have some form of check and balance against it. Now, understand the the idea of a president actually comes from the root word of preside, preside over the country. Uh, and we really didn't have an idea of what a president was. I mean, now our idea of a president, someone who's elected by the people, who is overseen by the Congress in the ways of being able to have impeachment and pass laws, so they must work cooperatively in checks and balances. There was no government precedent for that. It wasn't as if there was a blueprint that they were basing this off of. Now, they were they were modeling the the U.S. Senate was based off the Roman Senate. A lot of the ideas of natural rights were derived from John Locke originally, but there wasn't a government that was a carbon copy when the United States formed uh, our government in in the late 1780s and we formed the United States of America. So I love studying the history. Uh, George Washington, our first president, they're trying to take down statues of George Washington right now. And it is such a shame because he, without George Washington, we would not have the United States of America. And they're taking down George Washington intentionally because they have bitter resentment and hatred for our country and everything we've been able to accomplish here and over the last 200 years of our history. And we've talked about this, that the left is filled with bitter resentment for the United States of America. What's the number one sign of a bad home security system? A home security system that's so complicated you never use it. This is exactly the type of security system that Simply Safe has spent a decade fighting against. They believe that simple is safer, and it's exactly why Simply Safe is the home security for right now when feeling safe at home has ever been more important. Simply Safe was designed to be easy to use while protecting your whole home 24-7. Order online with the click of a button, open the box, place the sensors, plug it in, and your home is protected around the clock. All of the property I care about uses Simply Safe. For all the criminals on the loose, we're letting criminals out of jail like it's going out of fashion and they're prowling around and they're committing crimes and they're going after innocent people. That's why you need Simply Safe. No technician or safe salesperson has come ever to disrupt your house. You do it yourself. You don't need to pay an outrageous monthly fee or sign a two-year contract. Simply Safe was named the best overall home security system of 2020 by US and World Report. And their 24-7 professional monitoring system and emerging dispatch starts at 50 cents a day. Head to simplysafe.com slash Charlie, get free shipping. Again, criminals are on the loose. They're doing some really bad things and police are not coming there as quickly as they should. That's why you need Simply Safe, a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com slash Charlie, simplysafe.com slash Charlie. Make sure they know that our show sent you. Next question. Hi, Charlie. I'm just wondering individually what I can do to stop the tearing of statues and destruction to my country. I'm a 27-year-old female white, which for some reason matters now, and waiting to be called back from furlough. I'm sitting at home, streaming church, praying for this country, but I want to do more. I'm not going to stand up to a mob physically and put my life in danger. So I just don't know what to do to help protect this country while our local political leaders are failing my fellow Americans living through this terror. Let me know if you have any advice. Time is on my side and I want to do something about this. Thank you for everything you are doing and your intelligent point of view on everything going on. God bless Mallory. I get this question a lot. Charlie, what can I do? Well, first of all, you can get engaged and involve with Turning Point USA or Turning Point Action and support Charlie Kirk Show. Thank you if you are doing those things. I understand. I actually think that there is a, there's a, there's many reasons why they're pushing the lockdowns. One of them is they actually, I think they want to keep patriots at home so that they don't get engaged and get involved in some of these discussions and some of these protests right now. I think they want to strike fear into people. And look, we just hosted the president of the United States in Phoenix, Arizona, 3,000 plus people. And I could tell you that there was a 
very deliberate media campaign to try to destroy our event and try to sway people from coming out to hear from the president of the United States, despite it being mostly all young people. There was a deliberate campaign and a, a, to, to try to say, hey, why are you here? What are you doing here? You know, why, why are you trying to defy the stay at home orders? And the, and, the, and the mayor of Phoenix even, you know, said, well, I don't know if this is the best idea and the best time to do this. And so, look, Mallory, I hear you. And the best answer I have right now is that there, is, there are courageous stands that need, to, that need to happen. Volunteer to go help someone that is running for local office. Pressure your local political leader. For those of you that are furloughed right now, I know you have more time than you even know what to do with. Now, understand that the rioters and the looters right now, they're not even following the stay-at-home orders, and they're getting their way. And there was this most unbelievable clip that I heard on Martha McCallum's show. Martha McCallum is terrific, by the way. I love going on her show. She's extraordinary. Very fair. One of the last few journalists out there, and she's just terrific. And there was this Black Lives Matter terrorist on there. And I don't use that word lightly. This guy's a terrorist. Because he's basically said, total misinterpretation of 1960s history, first of all. Number two, he said, if we don't get our way, we are going to riot. And I had to listen to this clip two, three, four times to make sure I heard it correctly. And he said, now there are police officers being killed in America. I don't condemn it and I don't condone it. So he's basically indifferent to the murder of police officers in America. Play tape. But when people get aggressive and they escalate their their protests, the you country like listens, cops get fired. Now you have okay. now you have police officers, you have Republican politicians talking about police reform. I don't condone nor do I condemn rioting, but I'm just telling you what I observe. This is what we're up against. This is the type of radicalism and anti-American sentiment And this is domestic terror. Why the FBI was not arresting this guy immediately after he says this, we're just going to burn things down. That is a threat of terrorism. It's no different than saying I'm going to allegedly bomb this building on this day for this purpose. What what, what you want? You want the destruction of police? I don't care what your cause is, by the way. Under the laws against terrorism in America, it doesn't matter if your cause is political or religious. If you are threatening the destruction of private property, that is terrorism. The textbook definition of terrorism is a crime that will impact mass community, innocent bystanders with the threat of trying to invoke a bigger and greater political or religious or societal aim. We have laws against terrorism here. And yet somehow this Black Lives Matter individual goes on Fox News says this, and good for Martha McCallum for having him on the show and for actually getting this out of him. But you, do you think conservatives are doing this? And this segues to another thing I want to talk about. People say, well, there's good conservatives and there's good liberals and bad conservatives and bad liberals. Enough of this. Show me one conservative that has said, we're going to burn down the country if we don't get our way. We arrest those people. If, if a Trump supporter went on television with a MAGA hat and said, you know, if Donald Trump's not elected president of the United States, um, we're burning down entire cities. If Donald Trump is not elected president of the United States, we are going to burn down Philadelphia. We're going to burn down Detroit. Conservatives advocate for order. Leftists or progressives or just Democrats, they want chaos. They want the destruction. Seeing things on fire, engulfed in flames, it gives them some sort of satisfaction. And they do it in the name of reform. 
And this absolute fool that went on Martha McCallum's show was like, well, black people didn't get what they wanted until they started to burn stuff down. Well, hold on a second. Do you agree or disagree that Martin Luther King was the main reason the Civil Rights Act was passed? Most people would say, I agree. Have you read the letters from a Birmingham jail? Or do you, are you just a Malcolm X syncophant? And Malcolm X and the Black Panther movement, which was very violent and was involved in retaliatory justice, they were not the reason why change happened. The reason why change happened is civil disobedience. Martin Luther King willingly allowing himself to get arrested for a greater purpose. And by the way, the inspiration for this, do you know who originally wrote civil disobedience? Henry David Thoreau. Henry David Thoreau, an 1800s author, was very close with Ralph Waldo Emerson, a transcendentalist. And so Thoreau wrote Civil Disobedience. He also wrote uh, plenty of books about being in nature. And if you're not familiar with this, uh, let's just say, strain of philosophy, it's very fascinating. And I think it's really good for young people to read, especially in a very technological age. Uh, Thoreau talked about getting back to nature, understanding the simplicity and the beauty. Uh, He also wrote a book called Self-Reliance. A lot of libertarians and a lot of freedom lovers find a lot of inspiration from Henry Henry David Thoreau's writings on self-reliance. But but civil disobedience inspired Gandhi and inspired Martin Luther King. One of my favorite quotes ever by Henry David Thoreau is the massive men lead lives of quiet desperation. I always think of that quote whenever I see people sitting in traffic. I say, man, most people are just so miserable and not flourishing to their highest extent. And they're kind of trapped by their own devices. And so anyway, you could read Walden in the Woods and all sorts of different writings by both Emerson and Thoreau who I think had such a huge impact on the American spirit. However, going back to the essay, uh, Resistance to Civil Government by Henry David Thoreau was uh, very, very influential in Martin Luther King's own writings, Letters from a Birmingham Jail. And apparently this fool that was on Fox News is in total and complete disagreement with that. Instead, he believes that you should riot when you don't get your way, that you should burn things down when you don't get your way, that you should act like a petulant terrorist child that if you don't get your way, you should burn down the entire world. Uh, That's not Western society. That is not moral. That is not civil. Why this guy is not in handcuffs right now is beyond me. If if, if that person said exactly what he said with a MAGA hat on, he would have been arrested on five different counts for trying to organize domestic terror in our country. The reason is that the Black Lives Matter movement, which is an insurrection movement in our own country, I want to say this very clear. I want to say this clearly. The Black Lives Matter movement has the best branding ever because the, the name of their movement is something that is true. So black lives do matter. All lives do matter. And I say all lives matter. I don't care about the recourse to that. And you guys should say that loudly and you guys should say that clearly. But the Black Lives Matter movement and organization is an insurrection movement to try to destroy the nuclear family, legalize sex work, abolish prisons, abolish police and start a postmodern Marxist revolution in our country, and they're doing quite well. According to the latest polling, they're more popular than both political parties. They have a 62% approval rating in our country, mostly funded and fueled by Christians and white suburbanites that think they're, do- they're doing something righteous. I uh, think they're doing, doing something good, which of course they're not. And uh, you c- it kind of all comes full circle, and it has such damage to our country. And so what can you do, Mallory? Well, I'll tell you what not to do. Don't go burn stuff down. You're not going to do that because you're a conservative. Now, remember, conservatives are about, now remember, conservatives are about order, flourishing, and creation. Leftists are about disorder, chaos, and destruction. 
This is why they get so much fulfillment in burning down the world around them. This is why they get this is why they think there's something good about 170 black owned businesses in downtown Minneapolis that are burned down to the ground. And they see the world as such an unequal and awful place that if we burn it down, there's no way it could be any worse than what we have now. The lack of history, the lack of thankfulness and gratitude for what came before you to believe something like that. Only someone who goes to a university could believe something as foolish as that. There's no shortage of action going on with our exclusive partners at betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making its way back with the UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and soccer leading the way. And BetOnline has all the best odds and lines for the upcoming games and matches. Do you need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening every day live for you to check out. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline also has hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and all the best props of the business. Visit BetOnline.ag or use your mobile device and join now to receive your new welcome bonus and start playing today. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner at Podcast One, BetOnline, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code PODCAST1 for your sign-up bonus. Visit BetOnline.ag. Don't forget that promo code PODCAST1 for your sign-up bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Speaking of the university, I got an interesting question here. This one's from Lance in Wyoming. I love Wyoming. Lance says this. Hey, Charlie, my college professor is recommending very liberal and Marxist teachings. Can you tell me more about John Rawls, especially? This seems to be highly instrumental in my college professor's thinking. Thanks so much. I'm glad you mentioned it. You know, this is someone that we don't talk about enough. You know, we talk about Solinsky a lot in conservative circles. We talk about Karl Marx. We talk a little bit about Hegel. We talk about Rousseau. I think that here on the Charlie Kirk show, I actually hear Rousseau's name mentioned more on cable television in the last couple of weeks. And I don't want to take full credit for that, but I think we had a contribution to that. Uh, all of a sudden, I'm turning on cable television. I hear people say, this is a Rousseauian ideology. I'm like, yes. Whether I take credit for that or not, I think that's actually a really positive contribution to the American discourse to know the garbage thinkers that are actually contributing to the downfall of America. So speaking of really smart fools, uh, educated derelicts, uh, John Rawls is at the top of the list. And if you don't know who John Rawls is, Well, uh, buckle up. We're going to have a lot of fun talking about it. So John Rawls taught at Princeton. He was given so many different awards. And Rawls was very instrumental, in fact, in, in, uh, let's just say, modern American leftism and liberal thinking. And in fact, President Bill Clinton called him, quote, the greatest political philosopher. And he met with him on a regular basis. And President Bill Clinton also continued by saying, quote, he helped a whole generation of learned Americans revive their faith in democracy itself. So a full endorsement from Bill Clinton is enough to make me think this guy is an absolute fool. And so John Rawls was on a quest to try to define what is fair and what is unfair. He had a very popular and deceiving social experiment that we're going to do right here on The Charlie Kirk Show, and I'm going to give you the ammunition of how to debunk it. Because if you're listening to this right now and you're entering college, I'm praying for you, by the way, and please keep listening to this podcast every single day so that you have the intellectual ammunition, the courage, and the conviction to stand up against your leftist peers and your teachers. If you're going to college, you are going to learn about John Rawls and you are going to do this social experiment. I'm going to tell you how to defeat it. I'm going to tell you why Rawls was wrong. Here's some of the basic ideas that Rawls was advocating for. He was, of course, he loved Marx and he loved Hegel and he loved Rousseau, but he tried to bring liberalism or leftism, if you will, 
to a, a higher level on the philosophical plane. He tried to get way too cute, in my opinion, with this stuff, and he thought he was he thought he was absolutely brilliant. And so he did this social justice thought experiment. It was called Original Position, but it was also called The Veil of Ignorance. We're going to do that in one second. He hated the American dream, though. He rejected the idea of rags to riches. He, he was a polemicist in a lot of different ways, which means he was very critical uh, in the attack of America. In fact, he, was, he did not, let's just say, pull any punches when he was criticizing uh, the United States of America. So the idea he's the most popular for in the thought experiment, again, is called The Veil of Ignorance. And so he starts, and this is, this is, he doesn't start incorrectly, but the conclusion is absolute balderdash. It's nonsense. He says, well, what if you were not you? What if you were outside of the orbit of the earth? This is the thought exercise. And you did not know what country you're going to enter into. You did not know what socioeconomic class you're going to go into. What kind of country would you want to go into? That type of country you would want to enter into is the type of country we would want to create. And so he conjectured that you would not want to play the lottery with entering America. His whole thesis was that no one would want to enter America if they didn't know where they were going to end up. If it wasn't a guarantee that you were not going to be in a middle class or upper middle class home and possibly on the lower income distribution, America is so unfair, so unequal that no one would actually willingly participate with this social experiment, the veil of ignorance. So therefore, he goes to the next kind of parcel of thinking, if you will. And he says, well, now we know what we must change, which I don't agree with that at all. He says that the veil of ignorance will make us desire a more fair society. So basically he says, how would I feel behind the veil of ignorance? And so in one of his writings, he says, Denmark and Sweden is the best society because under that veil of ignorance, it's the most fair. It has the most social services. Therefore, that lottery would make us exist in that very egalitarian society. Here's why I reject that. If I'm in the veil of ignorance and I'm saying, where am I going to end up? Where am I going to end up? I'm not trying to find the most fair society. I want the most free society. It's a big difference. For me, I actually, if you were giving me around the orbit of the earth, you say, well, Charlie, we don't know where you're going to end up. I'd say, I want to go to the place that has the most freedom regardless of where on the income distribution I might end up. And so Rawls would argue, well, no, you don't want freedom because that means people are unequal. Well, I don't think having some form of inequality is, first of all, I don't think it's possible to get rid of that form of inequality because everyone has different amounts of gifts that were given them by God. Some people are smarter, some people are faster, some people work harder and they should be rewarded for that and good choices should be rewarded. But secondly, I don't, I don't think it's desirable. I don't think it's desirable to try to make everything equal. I think that kind of world is actually much more similar to a prison than to a very multidimensional flourishing society. So Rawls, under his veil of ignorance exercise, and by the way, those of you in college that haven't yet experienced this yet or might or got through college without it, it's very kudos to you and God bless you because you avoided a huge piece of liberal indoctrination. But and for you parents out there, this is the type of stuff that your kids are being taught that you're funding, most likely, if you send your kids off to college, because they say, well, how could it possibly be fair if you don't know where you're going to enter into society? And, and Rawls used that word, fair, 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 fair. He must have used it thousands of times throughout all of his writings. He was one of the most influential social justice advocates of our time. Whereas if you even take Rawls's thought experiment at the very beginning, is not totally incorrect. The conclusion, there's no way 
if you believe in individual liberty, if you believe in natural rights and the Lockean view of human nature, there is no way that you could then say, well, we want everything to be totally fair and egalitarian. He's like, no, actually, we want to be equal under the law, have some form of equal opportunity. And wherever things end up, there is a reason why they ended up that way, because people made poor choices, because people didn't get married before they have kids, because people didn't get a job, because people didn't wake up early enough. Now, we don't have that completely in America. And we've identified that, that there are disadvantaged parts of America that actually have embraced some of Rawls's teaching because of government dependency, government subsidies, poor decisions by the political ruling class elite and a government that has actually betrayed our citizen. So it's actually leaning more into the ideology of Rawls of why America's in some ways in a disadvantaged position, not the inverse. So John Rawls is very influential to the American left. It's important you guys know these thinkers, know these writers. Uh, the more you know about the left, the more you're prepared about the next move they're about to do. So let's get to the next question. Before I do, though, I just want to correct one thing I said about John Rawls. After he returned to the United States, he first served as an assistant and an associate professor at Cornell University in 1962. He became a full professor of philosophy at Cornell and soon achieved a tenured position at MIT. That same year, he moved to Harvard University. So I just want to make sure we are totally spot on with what we share with you. Next question, who wants to remain anonymous? Hi, Charlie. I'm a big fan of yours and writing from South Florida, where mainly everyone is left-leaning. That is not good. I have seen these photos inserted below going around, which happens to be a leftist cheat sheet of talking points. Anyways, you have time to discuss these and I'd love to have your help addressing them. Thanks so much, Anonymous. So there's this new kind of, I guess it's like a pamphlet or social media post that says helpful rebuttals for racist talking points. I'm just so sick of this nonsensical. Everything is a racist in the entire world. It's made by this guy at Char Cubed, inspired by at Sujoy subscore Shah, who are racists. You will call me racist. You're a racist for what you're writing here, you fools. Okay, it says here, cops kill more people than white people. And they say that this is a myth because, well, there's more white people than black people, which of course is true. I always nuance by saying that. They say, but cops don't kill more white people simply because they're white. Well, cops aren't killing black people simply because they're black. That's unproven. It's, that's, that's totally unproven. And it says, this, and black people are killed by cops at a rate three times higher than white people. Okay, well, let's talk about that. Well, it's because black people commit more crimes than white people. This is just statistically true. Blacks make up 53% of known homicides in the United States, and they commit 60% of the robberies, yet they're 13% of the population. Now, there's many different reasons for this, the largest of which is that there are not fathers in the black community. I'm not saying black people are committing these crimes because they are black. I'm not saying that. The lazy baseless leftist interpretation of when I say these statistics, they say, oh, you're racist. Okay. Saying facts don't make you a racist. They say, well, you can't say these things because you're white. Does do things stop being true just because of the color of your skin? Do things stop being rooted in data and statistics just because of how you look? I thought we're supposed to judge things based on math and science and truth, not based on the color of your skin. Blacks also die of homicide at eight times the rate of non-Hispanic whites. They're overwhelmingly killed, not by cops, not by whites, but by other black people, according to the CDC. Do you know there are more black homicides in America than all whites and all Hispanic homicides combined? Tragically, the vast majority are black on black. Now go back to this ridiculously useless pamphlet. It says, well, what about black on black crime? They say, we're discussing, and they put it in all caps because the fools want to try to make it seem like they're adding emphasis. We're discussing racism, they say, and black people don't kill each other because they're black. Firstly, 
Well, white people don't kill black people because they're black either. And if you can, I'm sure it's an outlier in the data. Secondly, if you compare white and black neighborhoods with similar income levels, you see similar rates of crime. Okay, right. But most of black America lives at a lower income level, which is why the statistics are the way they are. But systemic economic inequality is a factor that people forget. So if you use comparison that put together both wealthy and upper middle class neighborhoods that are predominantly white and middle low income neighborhoods that have more people of color, it skews the data. Poor people commit more crimes because economic insecurity leads to those crimes. Okay, this is such an important point, an unbelievably important point. I'm glad this is here because I actually haven't read this rubbish until now. It just so happens that black people are still at an economic disadvantage because of still at economic disadvantage because of the enduring consequence of American racism throughout history. First of all, that's not true. It's because you took fathers out of the home, Great Society Act, which impacted every single portion of the American population, white, Hispanic, Asian, and black. It just impacted black Americans more because they happen to be urban. They just happen to be domiciled more in urban areas. So when they built the vertical housing units like Caprini Green, it impacted them more. However, this is such a nonsensical lie. And if anyone ever says this, stop them in their tracks. Did you guys catch what was the biggest lie in this whole thing? Poor people commit crimes because of economic insecurity. Hold on a second. Does poverty create crime? Hold on. Is, is, that, is that now what we're saying? We are now giving excuses that people commit crime because they have economic insecurity. That's an insult to every single poor person out there that doesn't commit crimes and has moved themselves into the American middle class. What this is, is the bigotry of low expectations by these racists that created this pamphlet. That somehow, because you're poor, it's more understandable if you go steal that big screen TV. It's more understandable if you kill the cop because you don't have a lot of money. No, it's a no tolerance for anyone on the economic distribution. It's, it, it's, it's a zero tolerance for anyone at any time to commit crimes. And it says here, they only have a one sentence response to here. They say, well, what about gun violence in black neighborhoods like Chicago? The above in- info and economic inequality applies here too. Also, this isn't directly related to this conversation. Well, no, it's absolutely related to this conversation. 500 blacks are killed by other blacks in Chicago on average every single year. Where's Black Lives Matter marching in the streets on that? So let's just kind of play this out. If black people aren't killing other black people because they're black people, why are they killing those other black people? And the answer is, well, they're committing crimes or gang territory. Like, okay, well, that's probably the reason for most crimes in America, not racism. And by the way, if most blacks die at, because of crimes by other blacks, then maybe it's not racism. Maybe it's the problems of why the blacks are killing the other blacks. The next one says, if people just followed the law, they'd be fine, which is totally true. There, no one's forcing you to commit crimes. If you follow the law, you work hard, you get married before you have kids and you get a job. You're going to break out of poverty in America. Do those things. However, it says whether or not someone committed a crime does not mean they deserve to be killed. Who in the heck says that people that don't commit crimes deserve to be killed? Where is that a position of anyone out there who who defended George Floyd being killed? Cops are not the judge, jury and executioner. Right. Okay. B. Innocent people have been killed, quote, for fitting a description or misdemeanors, or quote, by accident, because a cop felt like they didn't fear repercussions. Where's your evidence? If you're talking about Rayshard Brooks, who was drunk at a drive-thru and stole a police officer's weapon, 
they weren't killed because they fit a description. He was killed because he almost tried to kill a police officer. And I'm telling you, that police officer is probably going to get off. They way overcharged and way over prosecuted him. And finally, he says this, the law and the system protects white people in ways that does not protect black people, indigenous people, or people of color. Where's the evidence for that? We're in the United States Constitution, post-Civil Rights Act. Does a black person not get a fair trial? And let's just dive deeper into these numbers. According to Michigan State University, University of Maryland at College Park, they created a database of 917 officer-involved fatal shootings in 2015 from more than 650 police departments. 55% were white, 27% were black, and 19% were Hispanic. So fatal shootings, 55% of all fatal shootings in 2015 were white people. Wow. And 27% were black. So a white person is twice as likely to be killed by a police officer in America than a black person. Interesting. Between 90 and 95% of civilians shot by officers in 2015 were attacking police or other citizens. 90% were armed with a weapon. Unarmed or threat misperception killings are exceedingly rare at Michigan State University and University of Maryland. Do you know there's over 1,000 fatal police shootings a year out of 385 million police interactions a year? And according to the Washington Post, which just conveniently just keeps changing their number. When we first started exposing this, it was 9, then it became 8, and then they released a new number and it's 15. So let's just use the 15 number. 15 unarmed black men were shot and killed by police last year. But if you even use the term unarmed, some of these people were grabbing for the officer's weapon. They said they had a weapon themselves. And yet these lies just are allowed to continue to peddle on social media. And the tech companies are taking down our content. They're not taking down the content of the fraudulent misperception crowd. Blacks make up only 25% of all fatal police encounters, even though they commit 10 times the amount of gun crimes than whites and Hispanics combined. Cops are showing incredible restraint in highly dangerous and pressurized situations. Look, this is just the truth. Blacks commit more crimes. There's reasons for this, mostly because there are not black fathers in the black community. But you go city by city. The reason why some of these numbers look like they're disproportionate is because blacks actually have more encounters with the police because they commit more homicides, because the data shows blacks commit more crimes. It's not racist to say that. That is what the data shows. And again, I'm saying that as a, if I'm to explain why that is, it's because the Democrat Party has put black people through failing public schools. We took fathers out of the home and 77% of black kids in America do not grow up with a stable father in the home. By the way, Rudy Giuliani dropped crime in New York City's poorest neighborhood. Not by excusing it away, but by policing it, by using data and community policing. 1994, there were 2,300 murders in New York City. In 2019, 350. Thank you, Rudy Giuliani. You can go back in the archives and listen to the episode. An August 2019 study by the Proceedings of the National Academy of Science of Researchers found that the more frequency officers encounter violent suspects from any racial group, the greater the chance that a member of that group will be fatally shot by a police officer. There is, quote, no significant evidence of anti-black disparity in the likelihood of being fatally shot by the police, the National Academy of Sciences tells us. A police officer is 18 and a half times more likely to be killed by a black male than an unarmed black male is to be killed by a cop, Manhattan Institute, Heather McDonald. In 2015, Justice Department analysis of Philadelphia Police Department found that white police officers were less likely than black or Hispanic officers to shoot unarmed black suspects. Black officers were 67% more likely than white officers to mistakenly shoot an unarmed black suspect. Hispanic officers were 145% more likely than white officers to mistakenly shoot an unarmed black suspect. Hmm. Interesting. Research by Harvard economist Roland G. Fryer Jr. also found no evidence of racial discrimination in shootings. 
black males make up 42% of all cop killers over the last decade, even though they are 6% of the nation's population. So black males make up 42% of all cop deaths in America, despite them only being 6% of the population in America. If you look at all the interracial violent victimizations, excluding homicides, so robberies, aggravated assaults, and rapes, blacks commit 85% of all interracial victimizations. Whites, 15%. In New York City, blacks commit 23% of the population. They make up 50% of all the police stops. This is not racial profiling. Don't fall for that trap. That's a lazy analysis. All Black Lives Matter activists and the Al Sharptons of the world will use this as, see, they're being profiled and harassed at greater rates than the population proportion. But blacks commit 75% of all the shootings in New York City. You add Hispanic to black shootings, you account for nearly all the drive-bys in New York City. That's true for almost every major city in America. Whites in New York City are 34% of New York's population, but they commit less than 2% of the shooting. Just recently in Chicago, there were 80 Chicagoans who were shot in drive-by shootings. 21 were fatally killed. And the victims were almost all black. And there was no media outcry. This is according to the Chicago Police Department. Police shootings are not the reason that blacks die of homicide at eight times the rate of whites and Hispanics combined. It's black-on-black criminal violence of why that's happening. The facts bear out that cops are extremely heroic and using actual above and beyond self-restraint. Do not let the media or the mainstream activist media and the social media mob fool you. Our cops are heroes. There's no shortage of action going on with our exclusive partners at betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making its way back with the UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and soccer leading the way. And BetOnline has all the best odds and lines for the upcoming games and matches. Do you need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening every day live for you to check out. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline also has hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and all the best props of the business. Visit BetOnline.ag or use your mobile device and join now to receive your new welcome bonus and start playing today. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner at Podcast One, BetOnline, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code Podcast One for your sign-up bonus. Visit BetOnline.ag. Don't forget that promo code Podcast One for your sign-up bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So Mike has a great question. It says, hey, Charlie, you talked about Saul Linsky's rules for radicals. Great show. However, are there rules for conservatives? Well, first of all, our rules for conservatives are the Bible. Uh, where we try to respect other people and tell the truth. And I actually, I mean, I love Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. Now, understand that the, the, the Rules for Radicals written by Solinsky, they're political tactics, and they're very Luciferian in nature. And, and I don't say that lightly. And what I mean by Luciferian, the dedication to the book is literally to Lucifer. So I'm not, I'm not using a description that isn't actually within the text. But they're, they're, why do I say that? They're, they're rooted in deceit. They're rooted in darkness. It's rooted in disruption. It's rooted in trying to destabilize something that already exists in a state of order. And so understand that that struggle of order versus chaos, the rules for radicals are trying to get us closer to a state of chaos, not a state of order, not a state of functioning families or vibrant communities or students being educated or people being able to live better, moral, stable lives. Instead, it's trying to get us away from that, co- that core of Western society. Now, if we take this a step further, what are the rules for conservatives? Well, I think Donald Trump has taught us some really good rules for conservatives. And actually, it wouldn't be a bad idea to write some of these down and 
might actually be a good book one day. So thank you, Mike. I'll send you a copy of the MAGA Doctrine. I do think someone wrote something like this recently. I remember like five or six years ago, someone wrote a book that says rules, rules for freedom or something like that. But anyway, I think number one is you never bow down to the mob. You fight them. You fight the left early and often, even if it seems like it's not an important fight that you don't care that much about. Because if you stake the fight early and often, then they will never get to the things that really, truly matter for the future of the country. So that's why you have to fight on the on the Bubba Wallace thing, that absolute fraud who's a NASCAR driver, who's Bubba Smollett. Um, he should be arrested for faking a hate crime. And he, he knew it wasn't true, by the way. He just totally went with it. NASCAR went with it. And the absolute fool and the choker LeBron James sent out that tweet like, I'm with you, brother. And by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just say this. The Charlie Kirk Show team will tell you. I have the text to prove it in our group chat. I said, I'm calling it. This is a hoax. 100%. Now, I didn't tweet it. I got to say, I didn't totally, you know, go with my gut instinct there, but I do have it in writing. And so, look, the rules are fight early, fight often, draw the lines, tell the truth. That's a rule of the conservative because the truth will win the argument. The truth will liberate people from the lies, of the left, the misery that they are trying to create in our country, the despair, the hopelessness that they are trying to spread all across this beautiful country of ours. And just a good conservative principle is that if some alleged conservative principle makes you less free, then it's not a good conservative principle and you should toss it in the trash. If it makes you less free, probably not a good thing for you to be advocating for. So let's get to the last question here. Hey, Charlie, do you think sports are going to come back this fall? Thanks so much, George from Idaho. Well, George, I I am <laughs> I think every school should be open. I think we should have football. I think we should have baseball and basketball. I am a huge advocate of not allowing America to lock down again. We cannot allow America to go through another series of lockdowns. It would be the death of America as we know it. and It would be the greatest gift to the Democrat Party. We should have football back. We should have baseball back. We should have basketball back. And it should be quick. And it should be a celebration. And if you don't want to leave your house and you're worried about getting the Chinese coronavirus, then stay at home and we'll take care of you. The charities will rise up. We'll make sure you're fed. We'll make sure you're supported. And there are plenty of social structure to help people. But instead, we are using the central planning authoritarian model. That, and Republicans are doing this as well. But I want to applaud Governor Kemp, Governor DeSantis, and Governor Nome, three of the good governors. And I hope they do not back down. Oh, my gosh. To just say, oh, no, the healthy people can't leave their home anymore. Well. What? Hold on a second. Why can't you just tell me to act responsibly so I don't come in touch, don't come in contact with the people that are at risk that have comorbidities? Why are you restricting my freedom and liberty? Why? I, I complied for 100 days while you shut down Western society at massive cost. Increase in suicides, alcoholism, drug usage, mental illness, depression, joblessness, economic anxiety. The market still hasn't fully recovered. And somehow we now have to be. Oh, yeah, lock it down again. Sure, why not, Cuomo? Let's just go through this whole exercise again. It's not going to happen. We are not going to tolerate that. And by the way, people say, well, Charlie, you're advocating for civil disobedience. Hold on a second. We just had half a million people in the streets, not many of whom were not wearing masks, protesting the death of George Floyd. And if you saw this picture of them in Philadelphia, it'll make your head spin. So I, I, I have very little patience at all whatsoever for this entire new lockdown crowd. And I just got off the phone with a dear friend of mine in Colorado, and they said, well, Charlie, I, I, I don't know 
if we're going to have high school football this fall. They're about to decide that they're going to have no high school football. I'm like, you're going to rob kids of their high school football season? Because, and the statistics show they're more likely to die from the flu. The statistics show that they're more likely to die from the flu than COVID-19. It's not the case when you get in your 30s and 40s and 50s, but under the, when you're in, their, in your early 20s or if you're 16, 17, 18, the risk of you losing your life is minuscule. And you're going to, they are more likely to die driving to school every single day than die of COVID-19. Are you going to say that children should no longer drive to school? Because if your position is to save lives at all costs, I want to see an automobile ban advocated by the American left now. It's just so interesting because if you're actually about saving lives, why don't you just ban all alcohol? You know how many deaths are related to alcohol every single year? People drink themselves to death. People get drunk and commit murders. They commit domestic abuse. And so if the new position of the American left and the Republicans are so weak, I mean, Republicans have no idea how to discuss this at all. Like, I don't want to lose reelection. So you'd rather lose the country than lose reelection. They don't fight on the issues of American dignity and sovereignty. They don't fight on the tech issues. They don't fight on the issues against Black Lives Matter insurrection against our country. They don't fight on the history of our country. They don't fight on the statues. Their silence is crippling our country. And we're louder than ever here on the Charlie Kirk Show. And thank you for supporting us. When you guys go to charliekirk.com slash support, you are allowing us to reach millions and millions of people every single month and be eventually self-reliant. So thank you for that. Open up America right now. Open up quickly. Open it up definitively. As I can tell you right now, if they lock down the country, Joe Biden is going to win the election. That's it. Joe Biden has won the election if we lock down again. And I'm looking at you, Republican governors that are locking down your states again. You are cowards. The lockdowns don't work. Tell people who are at risk to stay home. Tell people who are not at risk to act carefully and responsibly. That's called liberty. If these Republican governors are serious, they should just go confiscate all the weapons because people die because of weapons. We can't trust people with freedom anymore, right? It's like the entire Republican Party has now decided they want Joe Biden to become president. They want our country to burn, and they're doing nothing because of it. God bless Donald Trump. We need a a new conservative movement now more than ever, and that's why I appreciate you guys listening to us. Email me your questions, freedom at charliekirk.com, freedom at charliekirk.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. You guys can go to Turning Point USA to get engaged and involved, start chapters, um, and help us fight America's culture war, tpusa.com, tpusa.com. Email us, freedom at charliekirk.com. Type in Charlie Kirk Show to your podcast provider. Hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review. Prove that you did it, and you guys will get in the running to win 10 signed copies of the MAGA Doctrine, New York Times bestseller. God bless you. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. And oh, yeah, make sure you listen to my episode where I interview the president. Kind of fun. A couple episodes ago. Thanks so much. God bless.